You are listening to an exclusive on PodHub Network. Your city, your podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Back to the Berg, presented by the PodHub Network. My guest today hails from Center Township, PA, and hosts her own Pittsburgh sports podcast called Helmet Hair, where she breaks down what's happening in the Pittsburgh sports world while also sipping on some local craft brews. Please welcome Jordan DeFigio. Jordan, what's up? Not too much. How are you, Cody? I am fantastic. The Steelers just won the AFC North. Cheers to that. Cheers. My my water for now. <laughs> oh my god, I got foam all over my mouth. <laughs> anyway, by the time this comes out, we'll be getting ready for the first week of the playoffs. So before we get into, you know, the podcast, you know, I, I got to ask you, since you break down Pittsburgh sports, what do you think is going to happen in this year's NFL playoffs? Ooh, that's a great question. I think the AFC is a little more complex than the NFC. Yeah, I agree with that. In the NFC, it seems like it's going to come down to the Packers and the Saints. One of the two will will clinch just based on how how bad the NFC East is. Uh, and it's just a it seems like a way less competitive division or uh, conference, you know. Yeah, I uh, so I could see the Seahawks making a push, but they've had some really, really rough games this year. And yeah, you know, at the beginning of the season, I was kind of like, like I went all in on Russell Wilson. I thought he was going to mm-hmm. win MVP. Uh, I bought some like graded trading cards. I was like, all right, like these are going to blow up once he gets uh, MVP, you know, and uh, it's just not going to happen. Like you need to be able to have a defense that is consistent yeah, make sure your offense shines. So that's where I stand yeah. with the Seahawks right now. <laughs> yeah, same. And I think you could, you might even see that with the Packers because their defense isn't isn't all that spectacular. The Saints have the best defense in the yeah. NFC, but their offense struggles with. Yeah, just Drew from just from the short conversation, I could say, I could strongly say, I think the Saints will win that conference just because just thinking about it nobody can stop Alvin Kamara and Mm -hmm. if you have if you're going up against the Packers in the uh, NFC championship game that's all they're going to do you're not even going to have to worry about uh, if Breeze can throw the ball yeah that's true because six touchdowns on Christmas for Kamara like unreal what that guy can do and if he is just now like hitting that next level Mm-hmm. The, the Saints are going to be pretty unstoppable, and you could you could make an argument that the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers might push, but I they've just been so inconsistent. Yeah, and like it with, seems like they're a team that could be coming into their own, mm-hmm. but might be offense, too late for that. What's funny is that offense is more inconsistent than the defense. Oh yes, absolutely hilarious yeah with Tom Brady and Mike Evans and yeah. Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski like the the litany of players that they have on offense is just unreal for how back and forth they've been so yeah I think the more we've talked it out I think the Saints will win the NFC and AFC who I think whoever wins the AFC championship will win the Super Bowl because yeah, whoever it is is going to be the more complete team and I, 
I don't think it's going to be the Chiefs just because they've struggled so much to beat pretty – and they've they've won. And that's honestly all that matters. If they can find a way to win throughout the playoffs, then that's really all that matters. It doesn't – the point differential is not how you gauge – the Super Bowl winner. It, yeah. but the teams are getting closer and closer to figuring them out. And I didn't watch any of the highlights from the Chiefs game, but from what I read, Mahomes did not look good. Yeah, he's yeah. been he's been slacking. Mm-hmm. And even from watching them play the Dolphins, which was that their only loss? Was no, the Raiders, the Dolphins, right? So, yeah, they yeah. beat the Dolphins, but the Dolphins were giving them a hard time. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, Dolphins have turned around very quickly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, whenever, you're, whenever that's happened with a team like the Dolphins, like, you're expected to at least win by a touchdown, and they mm-hmm. win by, what, I think three points? Yeah. And uh, ends up being, like, You definitely have goal. some holes that are being exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, but my unbiased opinion, like, I think – the team with the best chance and the most complete team at this moment is the Buffalo Bills. I was going to say that too. I think it's pretty obvious at this point, but what I love about the NFL playoffs is nothing's ever set in stone. Mm -hmm. Anything can happen. I mean, hell, there was one point last year where I thought that the Texans were going to run the table. Yeah. So that's, that's just the way the playoffs are. And I'm glad we could showcase some of your football knowledge. So now we're going to find out how you got that football knowledge. We're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about your upbringing. So first off, you're from Center Township, right? Mm-hmm. See, I th- you said we talked about this before. I don't remember talking about this. but It's possible live- we didn't. Yeah, it's possible we didn't. <laughs> but I'm from Beaver. So, like, we kind of – we may have crossed paths a few times. Mm-hmm. What was it like growing up in Center Township? Where did you hang out? What's what's the deal there? It's you know it's not really a a mecca of pop culture and uh, tourism attractions. Yeah, so it, I'd say the best thing to do back in the day was go to the Beaver Valley Mall, but now that's not even a hot spot. Was, yeah, I worked at at Chick Fil A at the Beaver Valley Mall in high school. Nice. And even even then, I graduated in two thousand eleven, so that at that point in time being there made me feel so <laughs> icky because it was just a stores kept closing down and I would work on Friday nights and there would be middle schoolers just hanging out at the mall and I would always ask or at least wonder what are you doing here there's nothing to do <laughs> you look like, oh I feel like I brought God. back past traumas Oh yeah. The way you're acting right now. I always compared the Beaver Valley Mall to the fourth floor of the the Pawnee government building. That's that's what it felt like where everybody goes like for divorce hearings and it's just like super skeevy. Um but I seriously, if there if I ever wanted to do anything fun especially after I got my license and all my friends started driving, we would just go to Robinson. Uh, We didn't typically venture into the city because we were young and stupid and couldn't really drive. So drive well. So we would only make it as far as Robinson, but there was at least more to do in Robinson than, 
center. And we would, we would go to Beaver sometimes too, because it, there's at least the cute little main strip of Beaver with local restaurants that yeah. are clean. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah. So what, so you hang out in Beaver. What, what was your favorite local shop to go to? Local I love and still love Mario's the Italian place. And I went to, I graduated the high school with the, the, a, a girl whose family owns and runs Mario's. Yeah. So it felt like, I don't know. I had an in, but I didn't really, <laughs> I loved Mario's. I loved which flavor. And once I got into sushi, Yama. Yeah. Uh, Yama's definitely right now. Like I think they're taking over. They're, it's a very small place, but they're everybody loves Yama. Yeah, they're good. But they're good. My, my hidden gem there is, you know, growing up, I would hang out at Pizza Joe's just because that was mm, Pizza Joe's. Nobody ever went in there, so all yeah. of us middle schoolers <laughs> just took over. But my little hidden gem that I would always we would always go there the last day of school was mm. uh, Philly Originals. That's the place to go. They had yeah. I, I had some buddies. Uh, they ended up working there, I think, during high school, and then also a little bit after high school. And they just, they knew how to whip it up, man. Oh. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. And Cafe Colache right next door. Yeah. Cafe Colache oh. is always a cool hangout spot. I would always go there when we had light up night. Mm, that was like the fun, place to go and You know, you can see outside. It's all like Christmassy, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. So. At Center Town, or yes, Center High School, you were there mm -hmm. when they were making the transition to Central Valley, right? Yes, that was the first. So the first year of Central Valley was the year I graduated. We were the first yeah. graduating class of Central Valley. And it was something that when they first started prepping for it, I was so pissed about it because yeah. <laughs> I had this weird feeling of loyalty to center at that point and was like I've gone to center my whole life and now they're gonna tell me that I'm graduating from some other school with all these randos what's <laughs> this but honestly by the time I got to my senior year I I was like put whatever you want on my diploma I don't care what it says you could say that I, I graduated from a dumpster I just want to get out of here like yeah fine good with it uh, yeah so you you then went to school with like Robert Foster and um, yes he was a sophomore I think my senior year so. okay and then also uh Whitehead yeah Jordan Whitehead yeah okay I, I don't know why I forgot his last name I feel mm -hmm. so bad but yeah Jordan Whitehead uh mm -hmm. you said uh Robert or D-Rob sorry he was a sophomore so like did you know what he was going to become I think we all knew he, my senior year, we went to Heinz Field for the Whippeals and we won and he was a big part of why we yeah. won. And we could all see that he was just super talented. And our, our football team as the center Trojans was never very good. And as soon as we merged and he came over from Manaka, it was like, oh boy. And that's the thing is I feel like, Manaka wasn't that big either but once you guys came together it was like a powerhouse yep. yeah something just clicked yeah and yeah because they won states this year yeah it's just wild yeah I'd say ever since 2011 that's they've just dominated their mm -hmm. uh, what would you call it their class 
Yeah, double A. I think we're not. I don't know. They've, they've changed. I know. Oh, really? I, I went to Beaver. They were in double A. Then we we're in quad A. Then we we're in triple A. Who knows Whatever. what's going on with that? Whatever anymore. they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who knows what's going on with that anymore? But yeah. tell me, when did you start to find your passion for sports, specifically Pittsburgh sports? My Lord, I, I can't technically say birth, but as <laughs> soon as my cognitive memory starts kicking in, that's when I loved Pittsburgh sports. Yeah. I grew up in a Pittsburgh sports family. And I remember, I'm pretty sure my first Halloween costume that I picked. So when I was like three or four was a, one of those little package deals that comes with the Pittsburgh Steelers pants and the generic Pittsburgh Steelers Jersey and the helmet. (laughs) And yeah, I, Oh my God, I just, I always loved the Steelers and I loved, I grew up loving Cordell Stewart and Heinz Ward and Plexico Burris and Jerome Bettis. And I just remember every single Sunday getting so amped to just sit on the couch with my dad and watch the Steelers. And I I would go to Pirates games. Oh, everybody went to Pirates games once PNC Park came around, you know? Yeah, I went to maybe one or two at Three Rivers. But, yeah, once PNC Park opened up and it was just beautiful and new and, oh, my goodness, that that was the attraction. And I I think I went to my first Penguins game when I was in seventh or eighth grade. That was – I I grew up sort of keeping tabs on the Penguins, but – the Steelers were always my number one. It wasn't until I think I can't remember when, but it was like middle school, high school when the Penguins started really rivaling the Steelers. And then once I really got the hang of hockey and the rules and the the flow of the game, I was like, this is just the greatest sport on the planet. Speaking of hockey, I feel like, our generation i'm going to group myself in with mm-hmm. you <laughs> i think we started to really watch hockey once the penguins started going to the stanley cup in 2008 yeah that's when i really started mm-hmm. to watch um i know there like a lot of people are like super into hockey like uh i'm sure you know uh, the beaver county uh like junior team mm-hmm. they're uh named after badger bob johnson yep for the Badgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have friends that have played for them like for years and just like it, surprisingly we didn't really grow up with that connection mm-hmm. to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Meanwhile you know once the Penguins start going to the playoffs and being good and they get Sidney Crosby my dad mm-hmm. starts pulling out these 1991-92 t-shirts like Stanley. Oh Cooper's. wow. And I'm like why did you never introduce me mm-hmm. to hockey dad? <laughs> I felt the same way. Like, it's not like my dad was disinterested in hockey, but he never really committed as much. And I think he, he claimed it was because the seasons are just so long and whatever, but yeah, it was, I think once the door opened when they drafted Fleury and then Crosby and then they got Malkin, that was when they started climbing and, 
in popularity in the city, obviously, because they were becoming very, very relevant. Yeah. And I wish I could say that I had that same passion for the Penguins as I did the Steelers from the earliest years, but it it took me a little bit longer to, you know, invest. But once I yeah. did, now now I'm sold. I I watch every game, every time they play. I go to multiple games a season. I I went to Game Five of the Stanley Cup Final in 2017. Oh wow, that's um, awesome! It was epic. It was my one and only birthday present that year. <laughs> nice. They, yeah. Well, I guess they they won the cup. The. The year before. Yeah, after said... my birthday. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. So that was the the second present that I got that year. Nice. Mm -hmm. Short story. My brother and I, we got to go to the Eastern Conference final. I want to say it was the 2016 season. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. could be 2017. But with the Eastern Conference final, I think it was game three when uh, Crosby had the um, one-timer. I think it might have been an overtime to win the game. And that's not even the best part. So to bring two worlds together – we're sitting next – we're sitting, like, pretty low. Like, we got pretty good yeah. seats. Dang. And we're sitting next to this guy. And he's an older gentleman, white hair. And uh, he's, t- he's sitting next to my brother. And him and my brother are talking all game. He's, like, pointing out people to my brother. Like, oh, there's Ryan Trottier. Mm-hmm. There's Max Talbot. There's – they're all sitting close mm-hmm. to the rink. And my brother's like, wow, this is awesome. Like, this guy's just showing me these people. That he, like, knows them. And then – game's over we leave we won whatever it's cool the next day my brother calls me and he goes do you know who i sat next to last night at the penguin game and i said it was just some guy right who he's like no that was art rooney the second oh my god <laughs> i was what? like and you didn't realize oh <laughs> you're sitting next to pittsburgh royalty <laughs> oh my god how does he not know right but it was just one of those things. You're in the moment. You're thinking about the Penguins. You're not thinking about the Steelers. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Tunnel vision. But yeah, that's and probably the wildest. That's one of the wildest things that ever happened shoot. to me or my family at a Penguin game. Holy cow! So that's amazing. Let's let's move on a little bit from sports. We'll get back mm-hmm. to it, obvious, obviously. But you told me that you ended up living in Nashville for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think you said, or I, not, maybe not said. Obviously, you said. But I think I've seen from you on uh, Twitter before that you were pursuing a, a singing career, right? Mm-hmm. So tell yes. us a little bit about that. How that start out? It's another one of those things that I've always, I just have memories of always loving music and being passionate about it, and it it was something that I I did throughout elementary school into middle school into high school I took piano lessons and learned how to play the guitar because I wanted to learn how to play the guitar for church stuff so I picked that up and then I I was in band in high school and played the bass the electric bass in our jazz band so I got into that and whenever I was in college, that was when I really started to get more in, 
interested in figuring out how I could do that potentially full time. And I, I did a music program that was a semester long, kind of similar to studying abroad, but it was in Nashville. And that was in 2014. And it was basically just like a crash course in the music industry. So I got to spend four and a half months writing, performing, recording in a very concentrated environment and safe environment. And I, I learned a ton about writing and about musicianship and what it means to be an artist and what the, the industry itself looks like. And I made enough connections that I felt like I, I want to move to Nashville and, and see what this is all about and, and just go for it. So I left college a year before I graduated and moved to Nashville. And I was young and naive and stupid a little bit and very self-involved. So I, I learned a lot personally and I learned a lot uh, as an artist as well. And I got to the point where I realized I, I want to do this and I want to do it for real but I'm never going to be able to get my career started in Nashville because it's not the place you go to, to, to start out anymore. Like it used to be. And I think even, even back in the day, I, f I feel like I kind of idealized what Nashville was like you could go and make enough connections. And then all of a sudden you're doing it. It, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah. And the the real long lasting way to to develop a foundation for your music career is to travel mm -hmm. and play shows and build a fan base because n nobody cares about you if they don't know who you are in mm -hmm. in the music industry at least. And it's impossible to even get your music in front of people because they're like, okay, well, you're not going to give me anything. So I'm not going to give you anything. And it it's just super expensive to live there. So I, I kind of got stuck in this rut of, I know I need to be traveling. I want to be traveling. I can't leave my job to travel because I'm not going to make money from yeah. my job <laughs> and I'm not going to make money from traveling and I can't afford to not be making money at all. So I ended up moving back to Pittsburgh. There were other reasons as well, but that that ended up playing a huge part in as to me moving home again. And I did more for my music career in 2018 and 2019 than I ever did in Nashville. Yeah because I had to figure it out on my own and I was able to figure it out on my own without the opinions of all of these people who just kept saying, this is how you need to be you. This is how you'll be successful in the music industry. And it's like, I don't even want to do that. Why are you telling yeah. me to do all these things that aren't even going to further my career towards where I want to be? But yeah, so I'm still, I'm still pursuing music. This year was obviously not, not ideal for being an artist, but yeah. 
it is what it is. And, you know, we'll see what next year brings, but I have some ideas and hopes for what I can accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it seems like Nashville is like, it used to be, you know, that's the place to go if you want to get, get started. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's developed into, it's the place you go when you're about to blow up. Would you, yeah. would you say that's? Or if you're, if you're already where you want to be. Are, yeah. Yeah. Kind of because Nashville is a huge hub for tours yeah. And obviously there are a, a gazillion studios down there. So it's it's a really great central location if you're a touring artist or a recording artist. But if you're somebody at my level, like I I can basically live wherever I want because I'm the one who's controlling my touring schedule and I can fly down there to record if and when I'm ready. And yeah. Yeah, but uh, outside of people who are already C plus B minus level artists, like you're, there's no need for you to be in Nashville. Yeah. So, and another thing I wanted to take away from your explanation of your mm-hmm. time in Nashville, um, you know, I, I saw this recently. I saw this theme when I was watching, <laughs> of all things, wrestling. Uh, it was a documentary. <laughs> documentary about the the attitude or not the attitude era it was about the ruthless aggression era so like john cena batista all those people yeah and it really seemed like i think it was, they were talking about brock lesnar they're telling him how to be successful in the business mm. but those were people who have already been put either pushed to the side or their time has run out so mm. do you think there's a lot of that in the music industry of people who didn't make it where they wanted to be so now they're trying to right their wrongs and help the next generation but in reality it's just not innovative enough to help a up-and-coming artist I think yeah I think so a little bit I think tying it in with sports a little bit too it's kind of similar to former athletes who are now analysts talking about all of the all of the keys for success for current athletes and it's like okay in theory that's good I guess but it it does it's just the any any idea of like broad advice blanket statements this is what you need to be doing honestly I, I know that people have good intentions, but yeah. it doesn't take into account the individualistic aspect of the artistry of being a musician and performer. And the only real advice that could work for everyone in the music industry is work hard and don't, don't lose your love for music mm-hmm. because yeah. it, you can you can work hard all you want and put out mediocre garbage and be successful but i that has never appealed to me because that's not why i do music and i don't i don't think that people need another voice in the millions of voices that are just making 
noise. I, there needs to be different. I, I don't know. They're just, it, it just needs to kind of be blown up a little bit because if you're not adding new perspective or new, a new sound. Yeah. I, I mean, I Hey, care. it's very similar to the podcasting world, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. There's too many people doing the same thing. Granted, hell, I might be doing the same thing as somebody else right now, you know? Yeah. It's just, you have to find your groove. You got to mm-hmm. find the why you're different and you just got to put out content. So that's the only difference, yep. I think, is you just have to put out content, put out content. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're saying with music, like you don't want to put out mediocre work. You want to put out work that you're proud of. Yeah. But with podcasting, I think, we kind of learn from putting out the mediocre mm-hmm. so that we can yep. become more professional. Like, yeah. Uh, I talked to our friend Nardo about this a lot. Mm. Uh, I, I forgot to mention at the beginning that helmet hair is a part of pod hub network. So yes, it is in there right now. So we're all familiar with Denardo. Um, and I love <laughs> talking about him on this podcast. I feel like I do it a lot. <laughs> He's a great guy. Great guy. Loves, loves the brand. <laughs> but yeah, I talk to him about this stuff a lot. And he's the one that really inspires me sometimes mm. by just posing a question of like, is this how you want to approach it? Is this how you want to expand your brand and things of that nature? So it's nice to see parallels in similar um, avenues, like music yeah. and podcasts both go through your ears. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so you come back from Nashville, you said you were there for four years. Mm-hmm. What's the next step? Just continue to make music or what, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I wrote a good bit in 2019 and this year I just, I did what I could, but it wasn't much. I just took it a day at a time, but going into next year, I really want to, focus on writing some more and hopefully recording. That was, that was my goal for this year was to do kind of like a smaller project. And then this coming year record a full length record and then release it. But things got pushed back. And that was, I mean, that's something else that I've learned to pursuing music. Like I, I would go back and change a ton about how I executed things in the past, but I learned from it. And that's, that's one thing. And like, just because things didn't happen on my timetable doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. It doesn't mean that they can't happen. So yeah, moving forward, I'm hopeful that at some point within the next year, we'll see the live music industry open up again and be able to travel and play music again but it's one of those things where I'm I'm just going to keep doing what I can and I think this year was good for me because it did give me enough of a break from it that now I'm I'm really now you're hungry excited yeah I'm I'm hungry for it again and I want to get back to it and I'm start my creativity is starting to spark up and I'm I'm just ready to to get going with something. So I'll figure it out. But yeah, hopefully new music in 2021. That That's the goal. And that feels like something that I can feasibly make happen. But yeah, we'll see. absolutely. Looking forward to it, obviously. 
Thank you. Now let's talk about how, how did podcasting come into your life? How mm. did you, when did you figure out, okay, I want to take my love for Pittsburgh sports and just put it out there for people to hear? I've been all over the place with my <laughs> life and ambitions. So whenever I moved back to Pittsburgh originally, I toyed with the idea of going back to school to finish my degree. And what I considered going back to school for was sports journalism, mm -hmm. because I, I figured I love sports. I love writing. I would love to be able to get a job in that field somehow. And I, I looked into it a little bit, did research. I, I never really loved school, so I I kind of half-assed the, the the attempt to get back to school. So I didn't really push <laughs> that hard for it. But I think my my aversion to school made me consider all of the the cons to a job in sports, mm -hmm. media, journalism, and I, where I landed was. I am already pursuing a career in music, which is something that I love, but it is something that has a give and take with this is something I'm passionate about, but I also am doing it as a job. Like yeah. it, it isn't all fun all the time. Like I have to, I have to think of the management side. I have to, do things that I don't necessarily love to, to get myself to a point where I can be doing the things that I love about it. I don't know if I want to take the one thing in my life, sports, that is just a, a hobby and something that I love and something that I can go to with no stress, no timetable, watch games, enjoy the games, talk about things in my own way. I don't know if I want to take that and put that stress on that as well to now be something that I have to focus on analytically and for monitoring statistics and constantly being up to date on everything that's going on. Yeah, it basically consumes your life. Exactly. And I wasn't sure I wanted that. I also, as I started subscribing to different media outlets and publications and reading stuff, I realized I would have to conform a good bit to whoever I work for there. I would have to kind of cover my voice with their voice yeah. and go at it from an angle that they approve of. And I don't know if I want that either. And I don't necessarily think that sports media needs more of that crap. I'm like, I was just fed up with the hot take garbage and yep. tweeting for clicks and all, like the baity stuff. I just, I had no interest in that whatsoever. And I knew that if, if you get that kind of a job, it, it is about engagement way more than it is yeah. about the content, anything else. Yeah. And like, I saw it most prevalently when Andrew Luck retired. Mm -hmm. Like 
how it, he wasn't even given an opportunity to make that statement himself because one guy got word that that was happening and he tweeted it immediately because he wanted to be the person to break the story. And I understand that that's part of the game, but there's no integrity in the game. And I yeah. don't, I just have no interest in being a pawn in that. So I, it's, there are just so many different facets to it. So I kind of put it on the shelf and was like, I would love to do something with sports. I don't know what. And every now and then on Instagram, when something big would happen in the sports world or Pittsburgh sports world, at least I would go to my stories and just record myself ranting, like filter off everything that I thought about it. And what I found interesting was that there would be one or two people who knew what was going on that would respond to it. But the majority of people that would respond to the stories were people who had no knowledge of sports whatsoever. And they would say stuff like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm interested because it's funny and you're passionate about it. So like that, the gist of that. And I, happened to purchase a, a pretty decent recording mic for myself for my music stuff so it was at some point last year that I felt like I could do a podcast because that would be a great way for me to have an outlet to talk about sports and yeah. potentially make sports approachable for everybody not just people who are interested in sports already and I could do it on my own time and with no pressure no real long-term strategy or goal, like just doing it. And whenever we hit the pandemic, I was like, I think it's time. I, I can do this. I want to do it. It'll just be for whoever wants to listen and we'll see what happens. But I want to do it because I love sports. And if it's, if it's fun for me, then great. We'll, we'll keep it going. But if not, I don't have to do it. Yeah. So you covered a lot there, and I appreciate it. Yes, that. I did. That was very thorough. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. It's awesome. Um, so my question to you, I, I have many. Um, <laughs> what What is it like being a woman in sports? Because mm. I, I obviously, I follow people who are not very liked because they do what you say. They go for the clickbait. They, mm -hmm. But they're also passionate fans, and that's pretty apparent. Yeah. Um, so being a passionate fan on social media you, you constantly have your voice out there what's what's it like how much backlash do you get from people who just are in inconsiderate and like what is that whole process like they're just mm. getting through it so it's it's been interesting the the most backlash i've ever gotten has been on something I tweeted about the, the game, the Thanksgiving game against the Ravens. And I just kind of poked fun at them because it felt like the league was kind of coddling them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, there was some, there was some not so great stuff said to me. Um, however, what I will say is I, like, I'm all speculation. I'm not sure 
how accurate this is, but I have short hair. I don't really put a lot of effort into how my face looks most of the time. So I, I think that it's a lot harder for women who are super attractive and um, there's like that assumption that they just don't know what they're talking about because they're super attractive and they ca- they also care about how they look. Kind of, it, like it, people assume they have their priorities elsewhere and they're just commenting yes. on sports, that kind of thing. Yep. Okay. And, uh, I think my guess, just based on what I see on Twitter, my guess is that that is why it's so much harder for them because that's, that's a hurdle that they have to overcome because people look at them and they're like, you don't look like you like sports. So therefore I'm going to assume you have no idea what you're talking about. And for me, most of the, most of the backlash I've, gotten has been that I'm you know a lesbian or whatever which isn't even you know a thing but that's what these people say and it's yeah like I see it everywhere not even with just you it's like I I don't know I don't know how I know there's that one page it's uh support women in sports Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's some sort of like uh charity thing where you like you help women get into like internships mm-hmm. and stuff but like that's something I really support because yeah. I are for everybody yep and it, it frustrates me so much whenever I see people just go after someone with a sports take just because they're a woman yep and it, like honestly it's the most frustrating thing in the world especially whenever I have a friend like Gab Gowdy who mm. she literally like yeah she can be abrasive that's fine oh yes yep but she like she owns who she is. Uh-huh. She owns her takes. It's part she, of her persona. Exactly. But and then, that's what everybody's putting forward on social media. Yes. Like it's and then, their persona. But what you said, like people just go after her and assume she doesn't know what she's talking about because she cares about what she looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's like you, you see that in as a as a man, like I don't know I don't know how to defend that. Because obviously mm-hmm. if I defend it, it's like, oh, you're a simp or whatever people mm-hmm. want to say. It's like, no, that's, that's my friend. It's someone who I, I respect in the sports world. Yep. You're trying to say that their opinion opinion doesn't matter because, yeah. like you said, they're attractive. Yep. Which is something I, I feel like, I hope in the year 2020, we can kind of overcome and accept people that for that mm-hmm. um, stance, I guess you'd say. I don't know. I feel like that's bad wording for what I was trying to say. but I know what you mean, though. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's why I, I I enjoy I almost enjoy talking to women about sports more because it's a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Because like I don't know who said it. It might have been today. Somebody was like, um, "All these people assume girls don't know anything about sports because they never they never played." It's like that's an interesting perspective to take in. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not going to discredit anybody who never played football before. Yeah. Unless, like, they're trying to coach a team, then I'm like, whoa. Okay. Well, yeah. You That's have, a, you a, have a little totally different thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to assume Randy Fickner never played football. <laughs> I don't think he has. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But anyway, back to our point. It's yeah. like people that aren't open to a different perspective. And, like, why do we have to keep talking about the same sports shit, you know? 
It's like, why can't we bring in a new perspective and oh, yeah. instead of talking about the mm-hmm. same thing we've been talking about for the past 100 years? Yeah. It's just incredibly lazy yeah. to, to make that kind of a snap judgment about someone. And I, I just, I don't get it. And it, it makes me super frustrated on behalf of all of the women who have to try a million times harder to prove to the world that they know what they're talking about when they shouldn't have to prove anything. And even it, it just, all of it is so confusing to me because you, you would think that somebody who loves sports would want other people to love to also love sports. <laughs> yeah. So then when somebody else is like, Hey, I love sports too. To then be like, no, you don't. It's like people, I think, I think it's a, in huge part due to the fact that we women have never had the opportunity to play football. And personally, I wouldn't want to, I would not ever want to put my body in the path of Aaron Donald. Like yeah, I just, right? yeah. no, no, thank not. You. <laughs> no. And yeah, but to, I, I, and I also think that people just love to be confrontational, especially on the internet because oh, it's so easy to, that's my, like the stuff that happened with Juju's mom. Oh my God. That like, I keep saying anytime it comes up on my timeline, I mm-hmm. mentioned something about it and how, if you, if you send death threats to someone like anybody, mm-hmm. you're subhuman to me. Yep. Like that's just, it's just unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just, I'm glad we brought a little bit of light to the, uh, I mean, it brought light to the dark side of the sports world, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to women. Cause that's something I feel like needs to be talked about more. Yeah. I think it's starting to be talked about more amongst at least the people I follow. Yeah, which is good. That's that's huge. And I I I think that the majority of of intelligent people aren't the ones who are creating all of that conflict yeah. on on Twitter mostly. Like that and again, I might have a different experience just based on how I look and who knows. It everybody's experience is different. So I never, ever want to just copy paste what I've experienced and apply it to everybody else, because it could be totally different among fan bases. Like I just, I have no idea, but there are at least the, the people that I choose to interact with on Twitter are very respectful and very engaging in a way that is open and allows me to have a voice and I think part of it too is that I just I don't I don't respond to people who are going to be assholes like it's all they want and like am I gonna say that at whenever I first started getting on Twitter that things that derogatory things people said about me didn't affect me personally and emotionally no like that absolutely stuck with me in as much as I responded. And then the more that I just totally 
disregarded what people were saying, the easier it became to be like, why do I even, why do I care what you're saying about me? I don't like, and I'm not going to keep perpetuating this conversation when all it's doing is giving you exactly what you want and making me more upset. It's just, it's not worth it. And I'm not, I all again, like, I'm not going to copy paste my opinions on that stuff to other people and say they should do it. If people want to engage with it, that's up to them. Like they want to keep the conversation going, whatever, but I'm, I'm not ever going to get into that pit with other people just because they are miserable where they are and they want to get as many people stuck in there with them as they can. Like, it's just, it's not worth it. It's not worth my time or my emotional energy. Like exactly. Yeah. I know I love sports. There are enough people that I love talking to that I can talk sports about with, and that's all I need really. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could bring some light to a situation that I feel like it's pretty dear to our hearts and just Mm -hmm. trying to spread sports to everybody, you know, Yeah, can't, can't keep it in one gender. Cause I, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, it's just not the way it should be. Yeah. Not at all. Now I want to get back to your podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you have your own little twist to it Uh, before you're like, you get into the meat of your podcast. uh, I think it's before. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Uh, But you, (laughs) you talk about local, beer that you try and like mm-hmm. you're very into craft beer where'd that love for craft beer come from and who are some of your favorite uh, breweries local breweries Oof. this is going to be another loaded answer yeah I'm right <laughs> I just I love so much about life and so many things in life that I just try to go for it all I I'm trying to think of when I first started really getting into craft beer. I think it was going on three years ago. Um, I worked at a, a small uh, locally owned coffee shop in Nashville whenever I was there. And I think that was what kind of started opening up my palate to, to different things and wanting to, to learn about the nuances of things like that so I I enjoyed beer for the most part but I didn't really branch out from you know I think I I would typically just drink like blue moon and that that was about it but so I like did you did you ever like before you got introduced to like mm-hmm. those types of beers did you drink like a natty light or a bud light or like did you drink like a light beer before no, that, that was never something that really appealed to me. Not because I, I, I don't know. I just, I felt like all of those to me taste the same. So yeah. I would, I would rather drink a beer that I'm going to love. Than that has flavor. A, yeah. Yeah. Than a beer that I might kind of be okay drinking. Like, okay. um, that, that was just kind of where it, it, was for me and I I didn't really drink beer a ton so it wasn't even like because I know that you know Natty Light is super cheap and yeah. <laughs> if I if I were drinking all the time I'm sure I would have had to like scale back a little bit but I I was like I don't drink enough to 
to waste it on something like that if I'm not going to love it. Um, but even now I, I don't drink blue moon cause I'm like, ah, there's probably a better option and yeah. something I'll enjoy more. But I, yeah, I started getting into craft beer. I think early 2018, I played a show in Chicago at, Oh, at a local restaurant brewery. And I tried something that was totally new to me. It was this beer called a Kolsch. And I was like, what is this? And one of my friends got it and she let me try it. And I was like, that is the best beer I've ever had. And then I realized there were a ton of different types of beers. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get into this because it's worth it. And all of 2018, that was when I started kind of like training my palate. That just sounds so <laughs> douchey and pretentious, but I, and that, I, and like, that, I want to get into that. Because that's the, like, what a lot of people perceive, like, the beer, craft beer community as. It's like, oh, they're just, you know, they're drinking beer. It's just beer. Why do they have to be pretentious and douchey? <laughs> so is that something that you've gotten backlash for, maybe? Is like, oh, she's a craft beer girl. Okay. At first from my family yeah yeah and they, that's, listen that's what yeah. it is for my family too because my brother he started to like <laughs> you know grow up a little bit he's your age okay he, he'd start drinking craft beers and my dad would be like what the hell are you drinking what the hell is that <laughs> yep it just doesn't make sense to people and it's it's like asking somebody who hates beer to try three different types of beer they'll say it all tastes like beer yeah. and it's, and that's something I would have said four or five years ago. Like it just, it tastes like beer. I don't know. It tastes like beer. It smells <laughs> like beer. I don't know. But the more I got into it and the more my, my dad's really into craft beer now. And even my mom drinks beer and loves beer now. And I, I try not to like, I, I'll geek out over beer, but I, I try not to get snobby because it's another one of those things where like, I love beer. Therefore I want it to be approachable for people yeah, so that they can also love beer. Yeah. And I, I know that there are, I, I can be that way. I can be super snobby. So I, I know it's in my nature and I have to like really fight it, but ultimately I'm, and I think I said this in my last podcast episode, like I would rather fall more on the beer nerd spectrum than on the beer snob, like, uh, mm -hmm. or fall more on the beer nerd side of the spectrum. Um, and, but yeah, you're right. There's, there's a culture of hipster yeah. doofuses <laughs> that love craft beer that are, that can give that impression to people that's like oh my goodness you're like why are you spending twenty dollars on a four pack of beer and that's justifiable for people to think that because yeah. it's like if you if you don't like it then obviously you're going to be like what yeah <laughs> no i think um like me now like i'm starting to not get into craft beer but like i'm more open to like going mm -hmm. to a brewery i think that's where the misconception is is like mm. You know, you're going to a craft, like a brewery, like a craft brewery, 
you're still going to like drink and have fun. You might, mm-hmm. up, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not like you're going to swirl, swirl a, a pint and be like, Oh yeah. Very hoppy. Like, no, mm-hmm. you're going to drink beer. It's all the same. Yep. It's just I, for some people, it's more enjoyable mm-hmm. when it's more like it's more technical. It's there's more, I guess you could say more pride taken into it to make yep. it, like you said, approachable and tasteful. And, you know, I, that's kind of how I viewed it now that I'm getting more and more exposed to craft breweries. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a super cool thing. And it it should be fun. That's, that's the point. And I feel like being into craft beer is way less pretentious than being into wine. Like that, yeah. that is the, <laughs> You the don't want to be the wine guy. <laughs> arrogance, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Jordan, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. We talked about some really cool stuff, some stuff that we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, hey, that makes for a great episode. Yeah, so, thanks for having me, Cody. This is so much fun. Yeah, no problem. Go ahead and plug all your stuff because uh, I don't know where to find your music. So definitely do oh. that one. Um, all right. Plug where we can listen to the podcast as well. Heck yeah. So you can listen to the podcast basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you're listening to Cody's, obviously you're familiar with the Pod Hub Network. So if you hop on over to their website, you can check out my show, Helmet Hair, and find out where to listen, if wherever you listen. But I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, everywhere. And then I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Helmet Hair Pod. That's where you can find all that good stuff. I have sports takes and beer pictures for the most part that's that's about it and then music i use the stage name noah noa jordan because my last name is italian and it has a capital letter in the middle so i just wanted to avoid any type of confusion around that yeah (laughs) yep but i'm on social media instagram twitter facebook and my handle is at the noah jordan noah without an h and then i'm on spotify and apple music as well so you can listen to all my stuff there i have a full-length record handful of singles um i released something back in august or september or february i don't know this whole year just (laughs) hey there's music out there right (laughs) it's out there yeah and hopefully more stuff next year but yeah Steelers won yeah hopefully we win this week when this comes out hopefully yeah playoffs oh let's go (laughs) all right Jordan well thank you for joining me this is awesome absolutely thank you Cody I hope you have a great night happy new year yeah happy new year there we go (laughs) have a good one thanks